What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another Jets episode on the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. And as always, I'm joined by my main man, Alex. And we're coming off a very emotional sports week, man. Very emotional sports week. We had that emergency pod with the Jets-Sam Darnold trade. The Knicks have not been doing us any favors, even though Alex was at TD Garden. But we're sitting here two weeks away from the draft, and it looks like Zach Wilson's our guy. Right? <laughs> There's nothing we can do about it. He's just That's it. So... You know what? We uh, we decided to bring on a very special guest, Jake Hatch, a man of all trades, produces DJ and PK in the morning for the Zone Sports Network out in Utah, Locked on Cougars, BYU podcast, the RPO pod. You guys should check those all out. I mean, he really, really gets deep inside those. So we'll talk about all that. We'll get him all into the pod. But Alex, what's for et cetera, man? Because the NFL is blowing up too. Every, everything's happening right now. What's good, John? Everything's happening around the NFL right now. We have Kyle Pitts, the Dallas rumors. We got the Pats potentially trading up. We got the Falcons potentially trading down. Teddy Bridgewater situation now that the Sam Darnold trade happened. So we'll discuss all that and the et cetera. Yeah, we got we got Jake is a uh, in, in in the closet 49ers fan. So we'll we'll, we'll get his uh, we'll get all his takes today. All right, Ricey, let's go. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another Jets episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. As always, I'm joined by my main man, Alex Trateris, the Tratacaster, who has been reeling and dealing this week. I mean, he has his Knicks shirt on, guys. I know this is an audio podcast, but the guy needs help. We just traded Darnold. The man, the man is in the dumps this week. He needs all the help he can get. Jesus, hit, hit me while I'm well, why don't you? Darnold gets traded. Knicks are on a skid. I mean, we beat the Pistons, but... Beating the Pistons is like taking candy from a baby at this point, so it doesn't really matter. I was at TD Garden last night. I was dealing with a little bit of a hangover this morning, trying to get through work. Knew about this podcast. It was a great time. Close game yesterday, watching the Knicks play the Celtics. It was ugly. It was great, though. Me and the fiancé, you know, we were up there. She was uh, rooting for her Boston Celtics because she's a Bostonian. I'm rooting for my New York Knicks, but she was quietly rooting for the Knicks too. She she was like, she you'd see her get like, yeah, after like uh Nero's Duo did a dunk. I'm like, there you go. There you oh, go. You're coming a, around. That's, that's, a, that's a tough ending. That's a tough ending with sitting next to her though. Shout out to uh, yeah. that's a that's that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough one. Uh, tough then we had one. the Yankees that hurt our hurt our feelings, but we won't get into all that just yet because Alex, we have a really, really special guest on that we do. Couldn't have been better timing too. We have Jake Hatch, again a man of all trades. Um, I, I don't even I don't need I don't need to introduce him. We'll get into all the stuff he's into again. But Jake, how are you, man? Introduce yourself to the pod. Welcome, welcome to to New York, man. Where we're just sad all the time. We get our <laughs> hopes up, and then we're just sad. John, Alex, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on with you guys. Yeah, so I, I I'm based out here in Utah. I'm a born and raised Utah boy. I I work for the Zone Sports Network, which is the Utah Jazz flagship station out here. I produce our morning drive show, but then. I do a bunch of different podcasts on the side. So living the dream, covering sports for a living, can't complain, and excited to talk with you guys about Zach Wilson and whatever else you guys want to weigh, on, weigh in on. That's awesome. Thank you for coming on. Uh, again, Jake, it's a really, really, really appreciate this moment because as John and I, you know, we we're talking a little bit off air, the Sam Darnold, our boy, got traded. So now uh, it's 
might as well just be set in stone that we're getting Zach Wilson at this point. And, you know, we've watched, we've, I can't tell you how much I've read about the kid from the athletic, just read like everything possible that's out there. Not even just the athletic, like everywhere you could possibly find. I tried reading everything about Zach Wilson. I've, I've got, I've watched numerous podcasts, YouTube videos, breaking down his footwork, the accuracy, you name it. Oh my God. I, I I'm doing it. I'm still doing it. I know jets and this is just jets fans. So let's, let's just set to the groundwork. All right. Jets fan. Like we are, we are, we are a dire fan base for a quarterback. We haven't had a quarterback since Joe Namath. We, we thought we had, you know, Chad Pennington was like our guy, shoulder issues, you know, accuracy out the wazoo couldn't throw a deep ball, but what? Well, what, 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 what are you shoulder, doing? man. That's what I'm nervous about. We'll get into all of that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Shoulder. You're, you're the old over here. Shoulder. It's like, okay. Yeah. That's what I'm nervous about. John likes to give me like hand gestures over time. I'm like confused. It's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a, yeah it's, it's hilarious. Uh, so we got Chad Pennington, you know, then we go from Pennington to, you know, we had Testaverde stint, uh, <laughs> come back. You know what I mean? We do the Brett Favre stint as well. Mm -hmm. Nah, nah, it, Eight and eight. Ugh. We see Chad Pennington get most improved player again with the Dolphins going to the playoffs. We thought the we thought Mark Sanchez, the Sanchez were gonna do it for us. We had two great years, fizzled out Geno Smith. Let's not even talk about it. Fitzmagic, John was at that game where we just needed to win against the Buffalo Bills and uh, forever I will be ingrained in my time two times. Two times because they knew the play that was coming, intercepted it not once, twice. Just you look, you already see it, they shaking his head. And now we had Sam Darnold, who we thought was going to be the franchise quarterback of the future. Mm -hmm. Nope, not happening. Why? I blame most of it on Adam Gase and the organization. Don't have to, if you, everyone knows how I feel about Adam Gase at this point. So now we're here at Zach Wilson. I'm just tired, man. I'm tired. <laughs> so now we're hyped for Zach Wilson. And I know the fan base is like, they're, they're, they're ravaged. They're, they're ready to go. So sure. I guess let's 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 start let's just start into it, man. Let's what when we get let me get let's get your opinions on, on Zach Wilson as as a QB and you know he was there for what three years, right? Three, four, yep. three years, three years. Uh, I covered every game he played at BYU, so I, I've seen him up close the entire time he's been at the Y. I guess the overarching thing I I, I want to pass along to you guys because I completely understand where you guys are coming from. I actually wrote a piece for my website, 1280thezone.com, the radio station I work for, saying that Zach Wilson needs to embrace the Jets because there are a lot of BYU fans out here who can recount the history you just went through with the tortured nature of the Jets fan base with quarterbacks. And yeah, you just, you rehashed it. It's, it's truly, in the piece I mentioned, when your most famous franchise icon is Joe Namath, well, you probably had a bad run. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough <laughs> out rough, here, man. man. It's rough. But, but I, I, it, the one thing about Zach Wilson that I have enjoyed watching him is he has improved by leaps and bounds. We all saw this this past year as a junior. He, he just took another massive leap. Yes, I understand that there's a, the shoulder that he had surgery on. There is concern with that. But I, the biggest thing about Zach is he is a kid who is driven to succeed. He wears a wristband. He still wears it to this day. You, if you see pictures of him, you usually can see it. It says, prove them wrong. It's been something he's been wearing since he showed up at BYU because out here there's a massive rivalry in collegiate sports between the University of Utah and BYU. They're 40 miles apart. They're two rabid fan bases who love nothing more than to just egg each other on. And you can see it on Twitter. All you got to do is just search them out. And they're, <laughs> it, 
trust me, we, we talk about it out here. We call it the rivalry in all things. It permeates everyday life out here. And okay. I know that uh, out in New York, it's more of a pro sports thing, but you guys have the same thing happen with the Yankees, Mets, Jets, Giants, Islanders, Rangers, all that stuff. I, I get that. But the one thing, this kid grew up in a diehard Utah fan and then ultimately went to BYU. His dad uh, was a former Utah football player. But when he went to BYU, there were a lot of people, a lot of naysayers who said, this kid, this kid can't do it. He, he, he doesn't have the skill set. He, he can't succeed at the top level. And he put that wristband on. He's worn it this entire time. And it's always kind of been his MO. It's just to go out and prove people wrong. And Everything he's done so far, looks like the number two pick in the upcoming NFL draft, he's proved every one of those doubters wrong to this point. Okay, okay, I, I, I'm I'm with all that, and honestly, you could put that on my forehead, like prove me wrong, because there's nothing <laughs> out that would make me happier than being wrong. But sure. let, me, let me ask you this: Let me ask you this. Going up, up until 2019, up until the end of his junior year, do you think when he had you know 11 touchdowns to nine interceptions, mm-hmm. and you know he was a decommit to be, you know. Like, are we? Who's who's wrong there? Is he the second pick without without this miraculous year? And and we're gonna get into this year, and I don't want to knock it, but like, what worries me is this big leap, and I, and I, and I, so my my follow up to that is what happened? What happened in the senior year, or, so, or not senior year, but his last year? Yeah. So let's go back to 2019. I can kind of help fill in the gaps there for you guys. So he came off his freshman year where he took over the starter midway through his true freshman year, went 18 of 18 in that bowl game as a true freshman. And just people were all kinds of giddy, just thinking, okay, this kid is going to be the man. Well, he had shoulder surgery shortly after the season concluded in 2018. He did not attempt to pass for six months. He, he just, he was having, it was labrum surgery. He just was not able to attempt to pass. The coaching staff all throughout that offseason kept insisting he'll be good to go by the time the season gets there. He'll be good to go by the time the season gets here. They got into training camp and we kept hearing, yeah, he'll be good to go. He'll be good to go. Well, come to find out a year later, talking with Aaron Roderick, who is now the offensive coordinator, the quarterback's coach for BYU, he admitted that in the lead up to the 2019 season, they weren't sure he was going to be ready to go to start the season. His shoulder was just slow to come back and He gutted his way through 2019 uh, with that shoulder that was not necessarily fully recovered, but enough that he could be effective. But then it was four or five games in, he broke his thumb. He threw a pick six against Toledo, breaks his thumb. He rallied to come back from that as well late in that season. But he, uh, same thing with, uh, he could barely grip a football. So he was in many ways shot putting deep balls towards the end of that season with that thumb because he just could not grip it and rip it. And that really, I think, has led to people thinking, okay, what happened to lead to this miraculous rise as a junior in 2020? And what it was is he full, finally had a fully healthy offseason. He packed on a lot of muscle onto his frame. His shoulder finally came around. The thumb healed up nicely. And he started the season with a bang. And he just continued to grow and grow and grow throughout the 2020 season. So I completely understand people thinking, okay, this kid's a one-year wonder. Why in the world would we take him this high in the draft? But Everything I've seen, like I said, I've covered every game he's played at BYU. I, I knew of him in the high school ranks out here. Everything he's done is continue to improve as he's gone along. And the nice part is he's going to hopefully get a full bill, bill of health. I believe he's out in Indianapolis. He posted a picture earlier today on Instagram, so on uh, Thursday. And that's for the medical combine there in Indianapolis. So he's going out to get checked out, obviously, by the Jets doctors and other team doctors in the NFL. If he gets the clearance from them... I think it, it's smooth sailing ahead for him. They'll also check out that thumb, make sure it checks out. But 
he was fully healthy in 2020 and finally showed what I thought was the promise that he showed as a true freshman in 2018. 2019 got disrupted by both uh, the shoulder surgery as well as that broken thumb. And then 2020, I think, was kind of the progression of where you might have seen him had he had a healthy 2019. Okay. All right. So you're not shocked is what you're saying. You're saying you're saying this is on par with what you saw freshman year. Yeah, I, I thought he was going to, we, we all thought that it, we, he probably uh, is leaving BYU a year earlier than most people thought. I think most people thought he'd be a four-year guy, then go to the NFL. Uh, and he really did shock just with his overall production numbers in 2020. But I believe it was part of that progression from what he showed as a true freshman, dealt with injuries his uh, sophomore year, and then has this explosive junior year and really has taken off and He's been the beneficiary of a lot of good press. I, I'll freely admit that. It was crazy to see him on SportsCenter, Get Up, all of these different programs every day, it seems like we see him on there. But he has proven, I think, that he's continuing to improve as he goes along. No, look, and you, you, you brought it up, and I think that's the biggest concern when, between John and I, when we see a lot of pub publicity about somebody that was just so quiet, like everyone says, yeah. like you didn't know, like you had to know, if you didn't know about this kid six months ago, da 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 da, and it's like okay, sure. but you know, getting all this rise like way into, it's not like we haven't seen this before in the NFL either, and so this no. is what's this is what's a little concerning, you know, when we have a two quarterback draft. You see all this hype. You know, they did it with Carson Wentz. They did it with Jared Goff. Like, those two, that comes to mind. They did it with Mariota and, uh, and and Winston. So it's a little concerning, and especially when you got guys who have resumes like that too, right, that had those college resumes as well. And not say, and this is not to poo-poo what, uh, what, what Zach Wilson has done, but when you start seeing all this publicity, it's a little concerning. Do you think it's – do you think this is, like, organic? Do you think – you know, this might be all. This is going to be a little conspiracy media. You think it's because like his uncle is high up at JetBlue that he's just able to do this? Where, where is this coming from, man? What do, what do you think? So the funny thing is, is I think midway through last season, a lot of us here in the local media were like, okay, Zach's playing really, really well. He's he's throwing nice ball out there. He's, the deep ball was markedly improved. That was the biggest thing that we saw. Is he was able to it's just beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's aesthetically pleasing. That's the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> It, it does look pretty. Yeah, absolutely. And there were a lot of us out here who thought, okay, he's playing at a high level. But then I remember about midway through the season, I think it was Todd McShay, and I, I could be wrong on this, but somebody from ESPN, one of those NFL draft evaluators, wrote a piece for ESPN Plus the, behind their paywall who said, keep an eye on Zach Wilson. And all of us in the media were like, hold on, what's this? <laughs> but so, and it came from ESPN. It wasn't like necessarily a locally driven thing. It wasn't his family that I'm aware of that was driving much. I just think that NFL film, like film evaluators, guys like Todd McShay started to see, okay, this guy's really throwing a nice football and they started to look into the film and they started seeing, okay, this kid's got some skills. I do think that he has been a beneficiary of just a lot of press out there. There's a lot of people talking about Zach Wilson and the, the, the crazy thing about it is there's a lot of people out here who are worried that all of the media attention for him right now is going to affect him going into the draft and then joining potentially the Jets or wherever he ends up. I, I well, Time will tell if that's ultimately what's going to happen for him, if it is going to go to his head. But man, just based on my interactions with him, he has always been a guy who has been pretty humble about his skills. He's always deferred to his teammates on many different things. He's not necessarily a me first guy. And 
let's be honest, that's all that could all be media talk, him just speaking to the media and just doing his due diligence and covering his bases on that front. But I've talked with him for over three years now, and every interaction I've had with him has been I've come off impressed with this young man. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He's got a d- driven, devoted family. He's the oldest son. There's six kids in the family. Parents are highly driven individuals. They're entrepreneurs out here in Utah. So comes from a family that's had a lot of success. You mentioned his uncle who started uh, JetBlue as well as Azul Airlines, which is another airline I believe, that flies in Latin America. It's a pretty successful family. They've done a lot. So he, he, I think he wants to kind of strike his own path. That kind of is the vibe I get from him is he wants to go out and kind of differentiate himself from the family and just say, you know what? I can do this at the highest level throwing the football and we'll find out. But I... I'm hard pressed just personally to, to believe that he's not going to go in to say with the jets and believe that he can't succeed. No, that's, look, that's, that's great to hear. And of course, you know, I, you know, those are all great things. Those are great aspects. Yeah. And it's definitely the head of a quarterback that you want to hear. Right. You know, I always joke when it comes to Jameis Winston, when he talked about himself in the third person after the, after he won the BCS, you know, I was like, okay. Yeah. We got said, you know, when Jameis Winston had to go complete that pass, I'm just like, eh, Oh, okay. Um, th- 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 thanks, thanks, guy. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I don't need, I don't need to, I, I don't need to hear like you talk about yourself in the third person. But it's great to hear about uh, Zach Wilson. My question for you, just to clarify, so when you say like the media hype getting to his head, right? You're talking about just him becoming like full of himself because of like all this press and publicity. Is is that yeah. what you're talking about, or just that he's going to get so much media attention that it could, in the end, like inadvertently crumble him, like if he came to New York. That's the thing. That's the mixture that I, I think is going to be interesting to see how he navigates. Because out here in Utah, we have three different daily newspapers that cover BYU on a daily basis. In New York, if I'm not mistaken, you guys are up around 15 or 16 daily periodicals. And there's just so much more media attention there in New York. And it's going to be a, a glaring spotlight on him. And that's not to say that he hasn't had a glaring spotlight on him at BYU. They've got a rich tradition of quarterbacks. And when you're QB1 in Provo, Utah, you might as well be the president of the United States out here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. That, yeah, and, and that's the whole thing and 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 like just and i want you to continue but I, I think what alex is trying to get at is yes we might have 16 periodicals but like nine of them are tr- all they want is for the jets to fail like that's all they're looking for and they're looking for like oh sam Darnold went out to the club yesterday and then went sure. home in a cab that was literally the back page of a post like like what's going on right now Look, we had Sam Darnold get mono, and that was just like the never-ending story of like, what girl did he kiss? So, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, and I see, I, and I get that. That that's that's the tough part that you're gonna have to navigate if you're a guy like Zach Wilson. I, I think that he is a kid who is going to make sure that he is both guarded while also making sure that he takes care of his responsibilities media-wise, making sure that he is, he's forward-facing, he's out in the community. That's something that he did actually, funny enough, when he was at BYU, he did a lot of community initiative work, a lot of stuff going out and talking with kids and all this stuff that was not publicized. He, he did a lot of it behind the scenes and it's hard to do, obviously, because like I said, you've had guys like Steve Young who've come through here, uh, Ty Detmer, Jim McMahon, 
man, there's just so many great quarterbacks who've come through BYU. And when you are that guy here in Provo, like I said, you are, you're the BMOC, the big man on campus and people are knowing what you're doing, but he was able to do things off the radar that I think are going to be beneficial to him building his reputation in the community there in New York. And I know New Jersey, East Rutherford, I I get that whole, (laughs) the whole deal, the tri-state area there, but, (laughs) but he's, he's a kid that I, I think is going to be able to handle the glaring spotlight, the fishbowl nature of being in the Big Apple and dealing, yes, with periodicals who, yeah, like you said, they want nothing more than to see the Jets go down in a flaming heap of rubble. But I think he's the type of guy who can kind of navigate that just because he has been in the spotlight at BYU for three years and he had questions asked of him by multiple people on multiple topics, digging at him on certain topics, especially during that sophomore year when he was injured. There are people like saying, okay, what's leading to your kind of your fall from grace and away from what you did as a freshman? And he handled it all nicely. He said, you know what? I, I'm battling as best I can. I'm doing the best I can trying to help my teammates out here. And he went out in his junior year and had an absolutely monster campaign and dealt with even more media pressure. We're talking and I would hop on media calls all year long. We'd start out the year and we'd have our normal crew. There's about six or seven dedicated beat reporters out here in Utah who would be on the call with him. But as the season progressed, seeing ESPN, we're seeing Fox Sports, we're seeing just all of these national publications start hopping on. They're asking him questions. And he, had, he addressed them the exact same way he addressed them day one when, we, when he was essentially a nobody in Provo. So I'm of the opinion that he'll be able to handle all of that. But at the same time, yes, there is concern that with all of those people around you, circling around you, trying to dig at you, trying to find something mono in the case of a guy like Sam Darnold, all that (laughs) stuff, it's going to happen. And he's going to have to navigate that. Uh, But I think he'll be able to do it. And he's got to, like I said, his family, his mom, she... (laughs) I love Lisa Wilson to death. She's actually a really fun follow on Instagram. If you guys want to look her up, uh, she, she just, she's very out there and she, but she's the type of person who will tell people when they're wrong. She is not afraid and she does it with her kids. She's not afraid to tell them, Hey, you guys need to pull your head out and make sure you're doing things the right way. So I'm of the opinion he'll stay grounded. If he doesn't, I think mama will take care of it, take care of the problem. For <laughs> I actually love that. And I think he could, jo- she could join the club because we have, Makai Becton's mom, Simone Becton, who's pretty big on Jets Twitter right now. So right. maybe they'll uh, they'll join a club. But, I mean, you've been doing pretty well dispelling the whole, you know, personality stuff because the the, um, the fear is that he turns into Josh Rosen, right? Sure. And then and then the, the, the question marks, and I know ESPN came out and Rex Ryan was yelling about it, was the captain question, right? Because yeah. BYU had the four, they choose the four, he wasn't there at the beginning of the year, and then every tape I'm watching gets a big C on his chest. So like, I'm like, what am, I, don't, I don't know what I'm watching. So could you just dispel that real quick for us? I've answered that question a few different times here in this draft process. So they've had, they've had the four captains, yes, they have, but they actually had, they've, they carry eight. They've carried eight the last two years. And Zach was not necessarily, I guess, in the top four per se, but he was a team captain. I can say that unequivocally. He wore the captain C. He was a captain. That was not just for show. Hey, I'm putting a C on my jersey just to make sure people think exactly. I Exactly. Yeah. I don't think he bought a patch and, and, no. and did it real quick in the laundry room. Yeah, and he he was a guy, he, he truly was leading this team. They they had their best tight end, a guy who's probably going to be an undrafted free agent, Matt Bushman, go down to an Achilles injury in training camp. The week before their first game, he, he suffered an Achilles injury. And it was a devastating injury because he had been the leading receiver for BYU for three years. He had been the safety blanket for Zach Wilson for those two years before that. And there were a lot of people who were massively concerned. They're saying, 
holy smokes, who is Zach going to throw it to now without his safety blanket out there? And he went out and made Dax Milne into an NFL prospect with almost 1,200 yards receiving. He, he, he led, he rallied the troops and led them to probably the best season in 20 years in BYU history. And there's a lot of BYU fans who will never forget the 2020 season. And Zach Wilson was the architect of it all. Okay. That's, uh, I, I love that. I love, I love the Dax mentioned because I was going to ask you about Dax and Matt Bushman, the tight end. I mean, they're, they're both, I mean, did, did, did they make Zach Wilson or did Zach Wilson make them? Or, you know, do you see, I mean, just, you know, just like a quick tangent, but do you see yeah. both those guys contributing to Zach Wilson's success in the NFL as well? Because they're not like super high on any draft board, of course, yeah. you know, Bushman's injuries, mm-hmm. um, Dax being a walk on, but they've known each other. They've known each other since junior high. Yeah, they, they played against each other in AAU basketball and all these seven on seven passing leagues. They went to rival high schools. They've known each other their entire lives. Dax, yes, he is going to be more of your possession type receiver. He'll probably thrive in a slot position in the NFL. He's not a burner. He ran a four five four forty at the pro day at BYU. So he's not going to fly past guys. But what he does have as an elite skill set is his footwork and his, his route running. That's how he separates himself. He gets off the line extremely well, finds himself open. And the nice part about a guy like Zach, he anticipates. He knows that Dax is going to be at the spot he's supposed to be at when he's supposed to be there. So Zach was doing anticipation throws, throwing it to that spot. And all of a sudden, Dax, Johnny on the spot, catches it and picks up a big game. The difference with a guy like Matt Bushman is he's a guy who finds soft spots in the zone and just absolutely exploits them. He's not a burner either. He, he's not an elite athlete at tight end, but he has very good hands. You throw the ball near him, he's going to haul it in. He actually has a, his father-in-law, funny enough, is Chad Lewis, the great Philadelphia Eagle tight end. Uh, that's his, actually his father-in-law, and he's been a big-time mentor for, for Matt and kind of training him, helping him through this injury. I think both of those guys, they were a symbiotic relationship. A guy like uh, Bushman already had success before Zach set foot on campus. Uh, Bushman, was a, as a freshman, was BYU's leading receiver. It looked like he was already on a, a career arc that was going to take him to the NFL, but he truly became a safety blanket for Zach. And then when he went down with that injury, Enter Dax Milne, who absolutely benefited from Matt Bushman being off the field and put together one of the best seasons individually as a wide receiver in the last 10 years for BYU. So I think it was very much a symbiotic relationship. Zach knew where his guys were going to be. He trusted they would be to those spots. He'd throw to those spots, throw on time, and make sure that they were able to make the play. Oh, that's 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 great, you know. And that's probably the one thing that well, one of the many things that people love about Zach Wilson, right? His accuracy, his footwork, yeah. his presence in the pocket. And you can see that all of that's there. His creativity is there too. You know, the way he can just swing it like a kind of like a Matt Stafford. That's very huh. impressive. Okay. The way he could, he doesn't even have to set himself to get into like the, the true quarterback position, you know, left foot and forward and with your right foot back and then like, oh, he could be, you know, he could, he can legit the have quote off platform throws. Off platform, yeah, that's new to me. I never heard of the the play. That's that's great. I love that type of stuff. Uh, I love when new things just come about in the sports world. My platform, wow, that's why I never heard of a platform. Okay, um, but no, he does do those things. He's off, like off platform, midair. He can throw. That's very no, super impressive. It, even when his shoulders are squared, right? Like if he was under center, he can still get it to his receiver pretty accurately. All very impressive. The one thing that people like want that people bring up, right, is there's, there's a few things. Yeah. One, the soft schedule that they say, yeah. right? Do you think, let's start with there first. Do you think that holds a lot of weight? Do you think it's, meh, not true? How do you feel about that? 
So the situation with COVID last year was just devastating. You guys know this. Every, every sports fan knows this. It, we just absolutely shut things down for four months. I did sports radio for four months without a live sporting event, gentlemen. That, that, that was something I never want to repeat in my life ever again. I can tell you that much. But, tough, man. But, I, was, I was watching yeah. Korean baseball at 6 a.m. Oh, yeah. No, we, trust me. <laughs> we do morning drive. And we were doing that too. That we, were like, we were talking about Korean baseball. We did a daily update on the KBO at one point. So, the, the, the dinos, baby. <laughs> Yeah, trust me, I'm aware of that. BYU going into 2020, their original schedule had six Power Five teams on it. COVID ruined all of that. They, they, at one point in the middle of August, in the middle of training camp, they officially had two games scheduled, a game against Houston and a game against North Alabama out of the FCS ranks. So the Division II, essentially, in, in college football parlance. They only had two games. Tom Homo, their athletic director, kind of just, put games together as he could. He got the game against Navy to open the season. He had games against Louisiana Tech. Uh, they had the Houston game so that they played. They had Boise State come back onto the schedule. They put games together as best they could. And yes, the schedule, absolutely soft. You did not play a Power 5 team. You did not play the elite of the elite in 2020. But the Power 5 leagues, by and large, only played inside their own conferences just due to the compressed nature of the schedule. So BYU pieced together the schedule they had. What I would encourage people if they think that the schedule was soft and it's a byproduct of what Zach Wilson's benefiting from is to go back and watch in 2019 against both USC and the University of Tennessee where he beat both of those teams in back-to-back weeks and had really, really nice games, especially late in those games. Against Tennessee, a game that I was at in Knoxville, they were down, they were up on the ropes. And he finds a guy, Micah Simon, who just signed with the Carolina Panthers after Pro Day. He finds him on a third and I think 15 with somewhat like 50 seconds to go. Finds him for a 60-yard pass. They kick a game-tying field goal, get into, get into overtime and win that game and escape Knoxville. And it was all on Zach. He, he, made, he made the read, made the throw. Micah Simon makes the catch and makes the play. And then they backed that up the next week, coming home and beating a nationally ranked USC team in Provo at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It, it was just, it was a thrilling, thrilling way for him to kind of, I guess, announce himself to the nation with those back-to-back wins there. But then in 2020, yes, he went out and played against a soft schedule, put up monster numbers. The thing about it was, though, you, you, you got to make the pass. You got to be able to complete the passes. You got to be able to make the plays. And he made plays last year. And I think the, the capper on the 2020 season in that bowl game against UCF, which I believe UCF was the best team that BYU played in the 2020 season. I was there in Boca Raton watching that game play out. And I was as stunned as anybody that BYU just absolutely boat raced the Knights. It was crazy. I thought it was going to be a back and forth game, a lot of offense going up and down the field. BYU just handled them. And Zach Wilson... Had he kept his foot down on the accelerator, probably could have put even more stats on the on the on the night there. He he kind of took his foot off the gas in the third quarter there. It was it was truly a, a great game to go out on. Yeah, I, and and honestly, I I'm I'm a bit more than I guess I would consider myself more than a casual average college football fan. Like I I like to watch a lot of college football, but I'm not like a huge fan. Sure. Like you know yeah. I dabble, but that's when. You know, obviously UCF is on the map, but that's when for me Zach Wilson got on the map. I was like, "Oh, who's this guy from BYU?" <laughs> you know, he's really good. But then, like ne- these days, when I'm now he has to be my quarterback for the Jets, and now I'm watching <laughs> yeah. and I'm reading and I'm watching. And I, I'm glad you mentioned the Boca Raton Bowl because I want to talk about that one. Okay. You mentioned the UCF defense, and that to me is the answer to the soft schedule. Is they handled them, and the offensive line handled them. But 
Jake, they had like a seven-yard cushion on UCF. <laughs> I don't know if you've watched the Jets, man, but our guards are like the worst things on the planet. So, like, yes, he could run to the left and throw, you know, to the right oh. hash mark. You know, y- yes, when he has that mark, he can he can Aaron Rodgers throw it down the field forty-five yards, fifty yards accurately. But like, what's going to happen when he like Sam Darnold snaps the ball? And people are jumping in his face. Like, what? what is Zach Wilson going to do? Well, and that's okay. That's a great question because I'm a huge I, – I love Mekhi Becton. I think he is an absolute stalwart franchise left tackle. But there's a huge question mark about, okay, who in the world is going to protect him? Because he has three guys on that offensive line, speaking of Zach Wilson at BYU last year, who are in this year's draft class. And all three of them, at minimum, are going to be undrafted free agents. There's another guy, their center, who, had he not been injured last year, probably is also in this draft class. So there are four NFL caliber guys. They believe the fifth guy, who's a sophomore, is going to play in the NFL one day. So he had five NFL caliber guys protecting him and giving him all kinds of time to make those plays. I do have concerns about that. The, the one thing about Zach is he has got enough mobility to escape pressure. I'm just not sure he's seen the same type of athleticism and speed that defensive ends and defensive tackles in the National Football League have. And he's got to prove he can escape that pressure. I have the hope that Joe Douglas goes out there. I know they have, I think, five or six picks in the first three rounds of this year's draft. Uh, uh, we have, yeah, we have, we have, we have 10 picks in the, in the, in the first three rounds in the okay. next two years. So like gotcha. there are literally no excuses. Yeah. So go out, pick up a couple of offensive linemen and rebuild this line. And hopefully that benefits a guy like Zach who can have a little more time to make plays that, that would be absolutely critical for him because he did. Yeah. He had, if you watch that film, those highlights of Zach Wilson. Yeah. He's got just this pocket that you could drive a Mack truck through and he's just making plays from it. <laughs> I've never he, seen anything like that as a yeah, Jets fan. I've never neither. seen anything like that, man. <laughs> he, me he neither. Bet, he truly benefited from it. There's no doubt about that. And that's been a big talking point out here is, well, okay. If he plays in front of an offensive line, that's more of a patchwork offensive line, which is on paper right now what the New York Jets have, how is he going to fare? Uh, man, I, I I don't know that I can say that he's going to have success because we haven't seen him suit up. He hasn't even been drafted technically yet. But I think that if they can get the right guys in front of them, they put together, yeah, the, the guard situation, they figure it out. You find a right tackle who can protect the front side. And if he gets some time, I think he's got the capability of being effective. But he did benefit from an absolutely mauling offensive line at BYU. And that is my biggest concern because that's the one thing when I noticed as soon as I went back and watched them because when I play football, I played O-line. And I know yeah. how like people who play O-line understand how how important it is. You're my soul brother. Everyone. Same thing in the high school level. So I, I, I'm with you on that. <laughs> what, what, position, what position did you play? At, I was, I was an offensive guard. So I trust me. Okay. I, I, interior play on the offensive line. You don't have it. It can turn real bad real quick. Uh, I know. I so I lost. Actually, I lost mad weight from freshman to senior year. I actually got. I weigh. I came in in high school like two hundred pounds. I weigh like a buck seventy five, one eighty right now. I got down to my lowest senior year, one hundred sixty five. And then we played for in New York. I'm from White Plains. Okay. We we played against when I was a sophomore. We played against Ray Rice. Okay. So that's the type of competition like. Our best running back went to Penn State. They wanted him as, you know, Penn State is a big linebacker school. That's what they're known for developing. They took our guy who's a four-year uh, varsity player, played JV his eighth grade year. They were like, they spotted him as a sophomore, like, yo, you're going to be playing linebacker for Penn State. Don't worry, buddy. So that's like the type of size we were dealing with. And yeah. like, I know like interior line play, very important. So game back, 
not to talk about myself, but like just knowing that the interior line is just so important. And when you watch, you know, the Jets center guards, it was just a funnel for Sam Darnold. And the thing that really gets on my nerves is that people are saying that he's that Zach Wilson is Russell Wilson. That I like, I get the, I get the athleticism. I get the, the, the last the, name. The, <laughs> yes. The Wilson, sure. the Wilson's also helped too. Um, I get that it also helps. I could see it, how he could scramble outside of the pocket. It's all there. You know, you see, we see the play action. And the thing about Russell Wilson, Seahawks have never had an O-line for pretty much most of the time that he's been there. Yeah. Haven't seen him do it in college. And that's probably the biggest concern and the biggest hype that I, I get. So that's where we wanted. Do you think, like, I know you, you, you said that's your biggest concern. Yeah. Has Zach ever, like, while being at BYU, shown that he could do that? What was the offensive line be- between his, uh, his freshman and his sophomore years? So the funny thing is the offensive line that you saw that was just absolutely stellar last year, all of those guys were there the run that Zach Wilson had. They, they've all been there. So James Empey, their center, he was, a, he was a starter the year that Zach took over as a starter. That was his first year start. Brady Christensen, the left tackle, who's supposed to go in the mid-rounds of this year's draft, he came in and was a starter that same year. They grew up together. That offensive line and Zach Wilson grew together from the time that he stepped foot on campus in 2018, and he benefited from their steady progress. There were multiple times during that 2018 and 2019 season where there was a blown assignment on the offensive line, and Zach Wilson was scrambling for his life. And there were times, yes, he had he got sacked, and it was one of those plays you just kind of just throw your hands up in the air and say, okay, what just happened there? But there were other times he used his mobility and was able to get out of pressure and go into that scramble drill and make plays with it. That's the one thing I think that is underrated about his game is his ability to kind of improvise when things don't go according to plan. And I think that's going to benefit him in the NFL. There are a lot of people out there who say he has Patrick Mahomes-esque qualities. That quality right there, I think, is the chief among them, is his ability to improvise on the spot. We see Mahomes all the time. The blown assignment on the offensive line comes up, he just kind of goes to his right or his left, just kind of finds a guy and then zings it in there. I'm not saying that Zach Wilson is Patrick Mahomes. I, I don't think that they're the same type of quarterback, but that improvis- improvisation that they can do when the play breaks down, it's one of Zach's great skills, and I think it will benefit him, yeah, should that offensive line need some time to gel. Okay, okay. No, that, that's fair. I, I, I like that response. Now, there's, a, there's another question that we got to talk about as well that, you know, it's also flying around, especially in Jets Twitter for, you know, or even like NFL sphere as well. Sure. Coming to for Zach Wilson, reading the field, right? Can he make the first read, the second read, the third read? Can he go through his progressions? Yeah. Did you see that while he was at BYU? Uh, you know, we, we see a lot of these plays and there's some notion that it's really – you know, okay, he he scrambles around, he he searches the field, and he finds like a wide open running back going out on a wheel route, and then the running back just somehow scurries his way for a touchdown. So yeah. So the one thing about BYU's offense is they they built it to have quarterbacks have success, but they did have to take responsibility and make reads. If you go back and watch Zach Wilson's film, it very rarely was him getting to his third read. And that's just uh, the way the offense was designed was to get the ball out quickly. So he'd go one read, two read, get the ball out. It was not very often he went through a three read set. And that's something that he probably will have to work on at the NFL level is just going out there and 
being able to kind of just sit there and make those reads. You have to process information very quickly. We all know this. You got four seconds at the very most in the NFL. Anymore, it's three seconds, really. You got to have that ball out. (laughs) With the Jets, you got like a second and a half. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) Good point. But I think the one thing is, is that Aaron Roderick and Jeff Grimes, they were kind of the offensive brain trust. Uh, Grimes was the offensive coordinator. Aaron Roderick was the passing game coordinator. They actually built this offense to allow Zach Wilson to go out and make those reads. They, they believe in letting the quarterback be the kind of the guy on offense. And they're, they're not going to oversimplify the offense. They, they didn't do that. They, they were, went out there. They snapped the ball. Zach would go to his first progression, second progression. And they taught him, you have a clock in your head. You get that ball out. And yeah, he didn't necessarily, I think, have a extensive uh, rundown of, okay, I'm going to go through four different reads here and then make, make a throw. That didn't happen very often. I think he is still learning to read defenses and go through progressions and check one, check two, check three, get the ball out. I think that's something he'll continue to develop. Uh, you guys, we talked about before we started recording that I'm a 49ers fan and Mike LaFleur, who's coming over with Robert Sala there from the 49ers, I believe that LaFleur will help Zach with that. They, they did that with Jimmy G. Jimmy G's ability is just his his inability to get the ball out of his hand. He would... <laughs> <laughs> just he would hesitate and that that drove me nuts as a 49ers fan but i am of the opinion that they can get zach wilson yes where he can process that information he can drop back on that three-step drop check one check two get the ball out drop back on a five or seven step drop check one check two check three get the ball out they'll have to work with him on that i think he's on the road to getting there but that, that is a skill that still needs to de- be developed for him overall yeah i like that I, I, i'm i'm mostly worried yeah i mean i I just need him to be able to read a defense and call an audible, which I don't know if Sam Darnold can do because he wasn't allowed because of Adam Gase. So, like, that's the whole thing. So we just don't know if he can, but we just need Zach Wilson to. And I guess that's where, you know, our all of our anxiety comes in. But I'll I'll, I'll let you go on this. Do you have an NFL comparison? I mean, I know that's an annoying question. I know that we're not going to hold you to it, but... (laughs) And I also I don't even want a superstar. Just sure. give me somebody who I could look at and say, okay, like, because he's not really like Brian Left. Like, is he like Leftwich kind of? And I'm watching that. Leftwich is an interesting one. I never really thought about Byron, the guy that I would compare him to. But it, the, the the reason why I'm comparing him is because I think that both of them are going to come into the NFL with similar progression paths. They're going to have to continue to develop in the NFL. But it's Aaron Rodgers. Zach has got a big arm. He absolutely showed that. He can get the ball down the field. He can throw it on a rope to the opposite hash. He can make every throw on the field. But if you remember Aaron Rodgers, when he came into the NFL, he was from the Jeff Tedford School of Quarterbacking where he held the ball right up here around his ear hole. And NFL teams were like, what in the world is he doing here? And he really revamped his game. He continued to progress with the Packers and he's become what he is. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about it. The fact that the Packers only won one Super Bowl with him is criminal in my opinion, but that's just that's just me. But I, I am of the opinion that he he's coming into the league kind of on a similar career arc that a guy like Aaron Rodgers had. Will he become Aaron Rodgers? Only time will tell. And I would ha- be hard-pressed to think that he will be Aaron Rodgers in any way, shape, or form. But that's kind of the comparison I've had. I know the people who, who say he has Pat Mahomes qualities. But the Byron Leftwich one, that's actually intriguing to me because Byron Leftwich had the mobility to make plays, kind of scoot around the pocket, had a big arm that could absolutely launch it downfield. 
I think that the one thing Zach is going to show to people is that he is not afraid of the moment. He loves playing this game. He's a junkie. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Roderick, there are, there are passing in coordinator made multiple comments to us over the three years that he would get texts at all hours. We're talking two and 3 AM from Zach Wilson saying, Hey, I just saw this play from such and such a quarterback in the NFL. You think we can add this to our offense? And Aaron's sitting there like, dude, I'm asleep. I watch a lot of film, but what are you doing? This is a kid. He, he, he loves the game. He, he truly wants to be the man. He wants to be one of the, one of those great quarterbacks. So he's going to do his part to, to accomplish that. I, I, I can't say that he's going to be a become an Aaron Rodgers or a Pat Mahomes. It'd be awesome to see, obviously, because that would be the next great quarterback. We're talking. The sure. Second yeah. Those are superstars. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah, not. Absolutely. Honestly, if he's Gardner Minshew, I'm like, okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but if he goes out and wins games, that's that's all that matters. We all know that the pro game, it's all about winning. You win, 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 and it covers up everything else that's going on. You lose, that's when the sharks start circling, and that. So, man, I I, I think that Zach is going to I think impress people with how he goes about his business there in New York. The biggest thing is just making sure they put a team around him. I am I'm intrigued with all the picks they've gotten the first three rounds over the next two years. If Joe Douglas can hit on these guys and hitting in the NFL draft is if you hit 500, usually you're doing a pretty good job. If they can yeah. hit on a decent amount, they could have a nice little core of players there and Zach could be at the helm of it. Yeah, absolutely. And through the first year, you know, what we saw through Joe Douglas, he did a decent yeah. job drafting, you know, he got Mekhi Beckton, oh, yeah. he got Denzel Mims, yep. got Ashton Davis. Ashton Davis is still like a work in progress, but the little bit that we saw from him, you know, it's encouraging. So we're not, you know, it's only one season. Of course, you need a larger sample size. Yeah. Let's see how he does this season. We're this is a Joe Douglas stand podcast, as John always likes to point out. So don't worry about that. And everyone listen out there. But I, I like everything you talked about because me and we're actually gonna shift this a little bit to, to now basketball side. That's because fine. I'm gonna but I'm gonna connect it for a second because okay. as a Knicks fan, as Knicks fans, I should say, John and myself, we got our pride and joy in RJ Barrett. And sure. these, are the ty- these are the same type of qualities we hear about R.J. Barrett, mm-hmm. someone who's just destined for greatness, someone who just loves the game. You know, when we listen to Tom Thibodeau, you know, we hear about a guy who's just – R.J.'s just in the gym, putting up shots, putting in the work. You just see it. You see, the, you see it in his eyes when he wasn't uh, an all-rookie. Uh, all you see it when he's not on, like, top 25. You see it when Anthony Edwards – is saying, yeah, we'll let RJ take the the game-winning shot. And RJ, who's never on Twitter, responds with a smiley face. And that, to me, is just kind of like an indication, like, this guy's psychotic. He's going to mark bookmark <laughs> that. He's in the gym right now seeing that tweet, just saying, oh, yeah, when I see the Minnesota Timberwolves again, Anthony Edwards is getting the business. So I like hearing that about uh, <laughs> about Zach Wilson. I'm actually, that that alone, that alone just, like, makes me like, like the kid even more. And, and, I, and I appreciate that type of competitive spirit. But now he, to get into the no, – no, go ahead. Go ahead. Say, say what you want. One thing is just about Zach, he's a kid who just – he loves what he does. He, he, is, he was a kid that grew up actually thinking he was going to play Division, division one basketball. His football skills kind of came later on. And that, that's the funny thing about it is he's kind of still developing as a quarterback because he's not – he, he played football growing up, but he was not from a young age developed to be this prototypical quarterback. He played AAU basketball. He, his dad talks about driving around the country playing these AAU tournaments, and they all thought he was going to be a Division One basketball player. They kind of thought that was his future was to play hoops. So he, his progression in, the, in just the game of football, 
he is bought in wholeheartedly to it. And yeah, I, I like that comparison. RJ Barrett's a personal favorite of mine. I actually loved watching him play. I don't see the Knicks as much as I'd like to, obviously, out here in the West, but that's a good comparison. So I like that. Uh, and uh, look, speaking about his basketball chops, there's now a video of him dunking uh, in the gym. So I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, he's, he's pretty yeah. athletic. He's, he's that's my new dad. goal. Yeah, I think that's our new goal now is to try to get a pickup game with Zach Wilson. So I, oh, I think I, th- I think that's on the list now, Alex. <laughs> get him at MSG one. with you on the court. There you go. Yeah, John. get him at MSG at the OBC game, baby. Let's do it. All right, let's get that. Let's get that going. But now, Jake, mm-hmm. for you because I'm a I'm a big basketball aficionado. So is my buddy here, John. Utah Jazz, man. Okay. How are you feeling about this season? Before we let you go, how are you feeling about the Utah Jazz? They're on a tear, man. Uh, last time I checked. You know, they're not recently, one. not recently, but we're, not recently, let's, let's, yeah. but it's a rough. <laughs> yeah, but well, guess what? Everyone goes through There's every look. The NBA is all about runs, whether it's in the, in the actual game and when it comes to racking up wins. Right. Yeah. Sure. They may be they may have lost a few games, but last time I checked, they're still number one. Yeah. So. Best record in the West, best record in the NBA, uh, battled Phoenix in overtime last night, despite his shooting 25 percent from three. I'm excited. It's been a fun season with the Jazz. I'm, I've been a Jazz fan my entire life. I'm a born and raised kid here in Utah. So John Stockton and Carl Malone were the soundtrack to my childhood all through the 90s. Uh, trust me, Hot Rod Hunley, I still have his, his <laughs> words ringing in my head. Nice. Yes. So, it, it, but it's been a fun season. They've really revamped how they go about things. You, I don't know how much you guys have seen of the Jazz. They shoot over 40% of their shots from beyond the arc. They're hitting on almost 40% on average, though, which has been a big catalyst to them being as dominant as they've been this season. What, 38 and 13 as of recording? They play Portland tonight. But, uh, it, man, it's been fun. Rudy Gobert, uh, he continues to have people rag on him and uh, curse at him and all that stuff, but he just goes out and kicks butt and takes names and just has a lot of fun with it. And that's the fun thing about this season is this is a team that I think the one thing about the Jazz that I will say this year that they benefited from is with the compressed uh, offseason and all of the changes for all these other teams, the Jazz didn't really have that many changes. They re-signed Jordan Clarkson on a four-year mm-hmm. deal. They brought Derek Favors back, who was gone mm-hmm. for just one year. He knew what was going on already with this team. So the continuity they had, it's been an absolute benefit to them. They knew how each other played. They know how to play as a team, and they've benefited from that. And I think the benefit of that is, yeah, those 38 wins so far, the number one seed in the West right now. If they can uh, clean up here, they've got, I guess, if you go off of all the metrics, they got the easiest schedule here amongst all the contenders in the West the rest of the way this season. So the one seed should be the goal. That's the hope. Obviously, we're all sitting out here fretting the Lakers getting healthy at some point with LeBron and AD, but hey, it's been an absolutely incredible run so far, and I'm hoping they continue to play well down the stretch run here. Hey, I like the Utah Jazz, to be honest with you, uh, because Donovan Mitchell is from my neck of the woods, uh, Westchester County, say, New York boy. You got a New um, York boy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I got, a, I got a Donovan Mitchell jersey, man. I got to support, you know, the home locals, so yeah. I have one in, in the closet. I like the way the Jazz play, man, and I think you point out something that's very important is continuity, you know, as – Knicks fans, again, we've seen this churn of like roster after roster, new guys after new guys, journeyman after journeyman. We get it, and it, it, yeah. it doesn't help a team whatsoever. So I'm, I like the Jazz. I like the way they play. It doesn't seem like, you know, they had the whole Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell few, which seems to be blown out of proportion, to me at least. That, that's what I got. So Seems like that's come around. 
The one thing on that is that it came out and they never, nobody ever denied that there was something going on between the two mm -hmm. of them. But Joe Ingles, who is kind of their sharpshooting uh, six man off yep. the bench. Yes, that's my man. That's what I was going to ask you about. Joe Ingles is my so, man. So, John, funny enough, he's been coming on my radio show for seven years. So, since he joined the Utah Jazz, he joins us weekly. They're not many NBA players anymore who do this, but he's done it for seven years. Every single week he has joined us. He actually is going to join us on uh, tomorrow, so Friday morning on, uh, after the Portland game. But he has come on, and he talked about the fact, he's like, the funny thing, the best thing that happened for that quote-unquote feud that uh, the guys had, the, the Rudy and Donovan had, was the NBA bubble. They were forced to be around each other. They were playing ping-pong against each other, doing all this stuff, because they're in the bubble. There's only what? It was a, was a, even a square mile? <laughs> you have eight friends. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So it actually, Joe has talked about the fact that it actually was beneficial. Those two were forced to be in those confined quarters and actually helped them kind of work through whatever was the issue there. And they've been on the same page ever since then. They're, they're two guys who are driven. You guys know Donovan. You guys saw him out there in the New York area growing up. He is a kid who wants to be similar to what we're talking with Zach Wilson. He wants to be the best. He's not the biggest guy out there on the court, but he makes highlight real play after highlight real play. And I can tell you this much. Jazz fans hope he never leaves Salt Lake City. Oh, man. I, I, I love Joe Ingles mostly because I, I think I, I compared to him. Like, I feel like I play ball like him. So, you know what I mean? It's just like way better hey, version of me, you know, I think, like times I think a thousand. All of, us, all of us look at Joe Ingles and say, that's me. That's me. <laughs> yeah, <in the> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I also, yeah, I also, I studied abroad in Australia. So I just have this, I just love okay. Joe Ingles. And yeah. I think that, he, I was going to say, I think he's the, one of the catalysts for this year. Last year, he was kind of, wishy-washy is kind of you know i'm being nice about it right and 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 this year he's on and so are the jazz and i'm i want to know like do you do you think that i know jordan clarkson's gonna get the sixth man of the year award but is he the most sure. underrated basketball player because no i don't even i don't even think people know who jordan clarkson is and i mean leak i have league pass and the jazz are always one of the teams and as you mentioned the suns that are always like those late night, like throw them on. Oh, yeah. And so last night's game was amazing. So what's your take on Jordan Clarkson? And what's your take on last night's game, man? That was a, that was a chippy game. We're not going to let you go without, without an opinion from Jake on that game last night. It, it was a fun game. I, I quite enjoyed it. I, I love games like that because it definitely had a playoff feel to it. Chris Paul has been a thorn in the side of Jazz fans since he entered the league. If you guys remember Darren Williams way back in the day, uh, there was that <laughs> But trust me, there there was that debate about who's better, CP3 or D. Will, and trust me, oh, we had that, that was <laughs> that was ridiculous. That was when they're both coming to the Knicks, right? That was sure, when they're yeah. both getting maxed to the Knicks those years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But so Chris Paul's just been a thorn in the side of Jazz fans for years, and it was just it was a fun game back and forth. And I will give Phoenix credit; they made winning plays down the stretch. That was actually something I wanted to see from Phoenix to see. Okay. You guys are, got your backs up against the wall here. Donovan hits that uh, game-tying three to push it to overtime. And I, I was wondering coming out, okay, how are the Suns going to respond to this? They're facing a little adversity here. This is a team who hasn't been in the playoffs in a long time. They brought in Chris Paul specifically for games like this to help close them out. And they closed out the Jazz. So hat tip to Phoenix. That was awesome to see them uh, be, be as good as they were in that game. Uh, kind of talking about what's going on with Jordan Clarkson is – the one thing I love about Jordan Clarkson is he's not afraid of any shot he takes. He owns every one that he takes. Um, there's actually a funny story. It was Joe Ingles, funny enough. When Jordan Clarkson got traded to the Jazz, he came in and he showed up in the afternoon ahead of a game and he had not practiced with the team. He literally just barely landed in Salt Lake City. He's suiting up for this game and he tells Joe, hey, um, by the way, if we get late in a shot clock or you just feel like you're not comfortable with the possession, throw it to me. I'll, 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 shoot, I'll, I'll shoot it. 
That 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 was what he told Joe Ingles, and he's proven that he's not afraid. He will own every shot that he takes. And yes, there are times he dribbles a little too much and kind of whirls, and and just you're like, okay, you know what, pass it off, dude. But he makes some plays, and he's been very very good in the role that he is playing. I do think that the NBA is still getting to know him a little bit because he did not play on very many good teams. Really, the only good team was that finals team with LeBron there in Cleveland that Mm -hmm. he was on. But he's been in the NBA hinterland outside of that. He is a very, very fun interview. He's very cerebral. Uh, He's a man of many, many different interests, funny enough. But he is on the court. He is just... It's 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 an anomaly because he just launches up shots with reckless abandon, and the yeah. nice part is so far this year he's made most. They go of in, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah they go in. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, no, what I was going to add on is that you know, because I, I I remember him on that that baby Lakers team where it sure. was yeah. him, our boy Julius Randall. You also had D'Lo for a hot uh, second. Yeah, you also had Brandon Ingram. And I just remember watching Jordan Clarkson and he'd have the ball. He'd come in. I'm just like, yo, this guy just likes to shoot, man. He likes to run and shoot. Yes, My does. goodness. And then when he went to the Cavs, it was like doing the same thing. I was like, all right. All right. And, I funny like thing, it. it hasn't necessarily changed all that much. Just kind of the way he goes about it. His shot selection is probably a little better with the Jazz. Mm-hmm. Snyder's been better about that. And the one thing about Quinn Snyder is he's actually got him to give a little more effort on defense, which is something nobody thought he, he would ever do. He, they always thought he was going to be just a gunner and would not necessarily play. And he's not a great defender, but I'm not saying he's, he's a lockdown 3 and D guy now. It's not him. But yeah. his shot selection has improved in Utah, and that's a big part, I think, of the coaching. Quinn Snyder and his coaching staff have been like, hey, Jordan, we're not taking away what makes you great. We just want to kind of add to it and make you a little more efficient. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and traditionally, Clarkson, like you said, because he's been on those bad teams, he's become like – he gets that selfish, you know, sure. tag. And, like, he dribbles around a lot. So I love that. And especially, like, today's NBA where they're playing hot potato to not shoot it at the end of the shot clock so they don't mess with their field goal percentage. I love that story. So Clarkson's, like, on the total opposite side of that. I love that. He said – he told Joe, he's like, yeah, if you get, like, five seven seconds left and you don't have a shot, throw it to me and I'll jack it up. He said that that. that 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 was his mentality the second he showed up in Utah, and it, honestly, it's it's kind of been his mentality the whole time he's been here so far. <laughs> well, you know what? The entire Jazz team has been playing well, especially Mike Connolly. He's playing way better than last season, yep. and you know Donovan Mitchell. I mean, I think also from last season, especially in the bubble where you guys were knocked out by the Denver Nuggets, and you ha- you saw that stellar performance by Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell. St- like that was just one of the greatest performances I've ever seen by two young guys going at it. I think they also have the fire to go at it, but I want your take. Does Quinn Snyder win coach of the year? Cause he does a phenomenal job, man. Okay. So that's, that, that's the interesting thing out here. Cause you guys know that we had Jerry Sloan here for 23 years. No, longer than that forever. Essentially Jerry, here's, here's an example. Jerry Sloan took over as head coach of the Utah jazz before I turned one. I was born in 1987. <laughs> he coached until 2011. I was graduated from college by the time that he finished his coach at, with the Utah jazz and resigned his position. He never won coach of the year, despite some absolutely incredible uh, coaching jobs. Uh, man, I'd love to say that Quinn Snyder is on the short list. I'm sure he is, but I, until the NBA real, uh, actually gives a Utah Jazz coach the Coach of the Year award, I'm not going to believe they're actually going to get it. I'd love to see Quinn Snyder earn it and deserve it, but there are guys like Monty Williams out there with Phoenix who are obviously going to be in the running, Doc Rivers with the 76ers, Tom Thibodeau with what the Knicks have kind of 
really turn themselves into in a quick turnaround here. They're, they're not a finished product by any means. Just the tough part is, is that Utah, we understand that we are not necessarily the glamour market in the NBA. So it's a little tougher to get notoriety out these out, out this way. Hey, I'm sure uh, the Joker feels the same way when it comes about winning oh, the MVP out in Denver. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, Denver, Denver's very much got that same mentality. I can tell you that much. Yeah, let's just hope that we don't have Hornacek up in here again. We don't, we just don't want any of that. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff is a beloved figure here in Utah, but I understand. Yeah, he left some <laughs> he left some Knicks fans feeling a little hard done by after his run there in New York. Couldn't beat Chicago. Yeah. Couldn't couldn't take us to the promised land. What's the point? What's the point of you, Hornacek? What's the point? Yeah. Oh, you know, the funny thing right. you guys got you guys have got uh, Johnny Bryant out there, by the way. Uh, yes. Yes. I can tell you this much. I I will whoever anybody that wants an endorsement of Johnny Bryant. Hi, I'm your guy right here because Johnny Bryant has been absolutely stellar for the Utah Jazz. When he left to go to the Knicks, there were more than a few Jazz fans who were really really miffed. But it's just a credit to what he's done, and he he's got a well deserved promotion working there with Tibbs. Jake, you've been you've been phenomenal, man. I, what we, a beautiful really way to end it. it. I'm That's Bryant. a beautiful way to end it. Yeah, I'm Johnny <laughs> Bryant. My God, thank you for coming on, giving the well like endorsement. We thought we we're going to lose him for a second when he was getting searched for a head coaching job in the, in the college. Uh, there were real, there were real legs there. He's a University of Utah alum. Very proud mm-hmm. of being the Ute, uh, and there were v- very much conversations going on. But I think he realizes, hey, I'm on a track here where I can find myself being an NBA head coach if we have a good run here. So I understand completely why he stayed there in New York. No, uh, totally, one hundred percent agree. But Jake, thank you for coming on and, and, and blessing us with your football knowledge, the Utah Jazz and basketball knowledge. We really appreciate it, man. So please, what the fans or, or the listeners, I should say, not the fans. I don't know why people are fans of us, but the listeners, <laughs> <laughs> please let the listeners know where they can find you and your work. Yeah, so most of my work goes through my personal Twitter feed. If you guys are on Twitter, just follow me, Jacob C. Hatch. You can follow me there. Uh, all the different podcasts I do, you can search them out. Locked on Cougars is really simple to find. That's, I talk a lot about Zach Wilson and BYU on that one. It's a daily podcast focused on the Cougars. And if you guys want that college football, the RPO uh, is a college football podcast I do. And then just having a lot of fun. We're, we work for the Utah Jazz out here, and it was a pleasure to be with you guys. If you guys ever want Jazz Talk, BYU, anything, I'm your guy. Appreciate We're going to be coming Jake. back to you, man. First of all, we have receipts for you, for Zach Wilson, whether they're good or bad. We'll, we'll hey. have to come with you for yeah. that. And, hey, man, you're, you're the talk of the town in the NBA, so... Like we're gonna be, we're just trying to get on your guest list because we're just trying to make the playoffs. You're, you're number one, so we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. There's still a lot of Jazz fans. There's a lot of that, like waiting. Okay, when's LeBron and AD gonna come back to the Lakers? How do they look? But the fun part is right now, Jazz are sitting on top. Jazz fans are riding high, and they're, we're having a lot of fun out here. So yeah, anytime you guys need me, you guys got my number. Reach out anytime. Thank you so Appreciate much, it, Jake. Jake. All right, guys, and we're back from the break. For the Etcetera portion, thank you once again to Jake for coming on and talking about Zach Wilson. John, I'm not going to lie, before we start about the Etcetera, kind of, he kind of warmed me up to Zach Wilson, his talking. I know. How about, how about you? Dude, you know like, you know, like that, that saying, like when you give uh, an animal a name, like you can't eat it after that? Like I feel oh, like God. once I know once I know Zach Wilson's mom's name and her Instagram, like I feel like <laughs> now, like, oh, I guess he's okay. I won't be mean. We'll see what yeah, happens. Yeah, I guess 
I guess he's all right. I guess we can get behind Zach Wilson now. I guess we can get behind the BYU guy, the Mormon Mahomes, the Mormon Mahomes. I mean, honestly, if he needs if he needs a PR if he needs a PR guy, Jake Hatch is his man. Yeah, oh my God, dude, absolutely. I mean, he gave us a good layout of, of what we of what we need to know, right? So kudos again once to 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 Jake for hopping on and giving us the the lowdown on Zach Wilson on everything Utah. Absolutely, but John, now let's get into. The et cetera portion. You know what I mean? We, we got we got some football news going around. So let's start off with uh, the thing I mentioned at the top of the key. Kyle Pitts to Dallas rumors. What do you think about that, man? Let me get your takes on that. That that's the yeah, that's the most interesting take right now going around uh, the ESPN, you know, media, Fox circles. Jerry Jones always wants to make a splash, man. Every single time there's a draft, Jerry Jones like to get likes to get his name in there. The Cowboys' name what was it last year. He was on the yacht, right? We had pictures of him on the yacht doing all this stuff. That's just part of the game. Everybody's talking about how Kyle Pitts is the best tight end in the league, and everybody's telling Jerry Jones all throughout the year that that, that every every team needs a tight end, and that every team without a tight end can't do anything. They even tried to – Jason Witten was, is not working out, and they haven't had one since. I heard something interesting. I'm going to give the props to uh, Ryan Rosillo on his podcast. He was talking about how – he didn't mention it. He, okay, I'll say what he mentioned first. One, Jerry Jones likes to pr- protect his investment. He likes to be right. So if he surrounds Dak Prescott, who we just paid all this ridiculous money to – with the offensive line that's becoming healthy, making a couple draft picks, but give him some weapons, right? The wide receivers are there. Give him Kyle Pitts. Forget the defense. Let the defense figure itself out. You know what I mean? Like, they, they would rather score 55, you know, be like lose 55 to 50 and have Dak kill it and have that way. And on the other side, Kyle Pitts is amazing, man. Like, right now, he looks absolutely unreal. The only reason Kyle Trask was any good was because of Kyle Pitts. So, Kyle Pitts is... The thing is, he he kind of he kind of reminds me of Vernon Davis coming out. Where I was watching Vernon Davis tape coming out, and I was like, he's going to be the best tight end in history, and he wasn't the best tight end in history, but he was really good. <laughs> so you know what I mean? If his if his if his uh, floor is Vernon Davis, he's worth a trade up in my in my head. Like Michael Lombardi was going off, saying, "Who cares about what you know where they're picked and all this value stuff is almost made up." Like if he's good, just draft him. That's what Al Davis used to say. And I guess my last take and what Ryan Russell didn't say is Jerry Jones is getting old, man. What the hell does he care about about, about a first-round pick, you know, in three years? You know what I'm trying to say? Like, at what point does he just stop caring? And he's like, yo, I'm just trying to win right now because, like, I, I'm old. Like, I don't care. Oh, absolutely. Look, and we saw what Dak can do with that offense, right? We saw how he could just swing the ball before he got injured last season. They got a, they got a, they got a good wide receiver core, you know. You got Amari Cooper. You add Kyle Pitts to that with uh, what's 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 the name of the the other wide receiver? I'm, why is he, he CD Lamb, baby? CD Lamb. Lamb, thank you. The one who dropped so far in the draft that everyone thought he was going to go be the first wide receiver off the board. So you got CD Lamb, Mark Cooper, yeah, Kyle Pitts. You have Zeke in the backfield. It's all about their line. Their line's supposed to be healthy this year, so they weren't last year. And if Dak is there. It's gonna make him look really good, man. I think I, I think I think it's a good move. I just don't know how far they, how much they're gonna be willing to give up. But then at the end of the day, 
who cares? Who cares about your draft picks in a couple years? And as you see, the NFC East is wide open. You got the extra game in there. So no one can be 500 this year unless you get a tie. <laughs> you know, like, so I, 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 I feel like it's, I feel like it might happen. I feel like there's a lot yeah. of smoke. I mean, it's better for them than having like Blake Jarwin, right? Then get Kyle Pitts, work him in. And we saw that some rookies can get like acclimated. I don't know how fast a tight end could get acclimated to the NFL, but regardless, you got to take talent. And that's what Dallas needs right now if they want to compete in that, you know, mess that is the NFC East. I will not let that down. And think about it. Mari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, Zeke, Kyle Pitts. That's kind of fire, man. I'm not going to lie. That's kind of fire. And you surround, you're supposed to surround your quarterback with weapons. So I wouldn't be surprised. And so, Jerry so they're number 10. win. So they're number 10. How far do you think they have to move up for Kyle Pitts? Hmm. Ahead of them, they have the Broncos, the Panthers, Lions, and the Dolphins at six. And then you know you know the top five. Bengals, Falcons. And then the top three are quarterbacks. I think you'd have to get above the Panthers. You think so? You think you think if you think if he's sitting there, the Panthers are going to select him? I think you want, if you're the Panthers, you want to add some players for Darnold, right? You want to give him another weapon. Well, that, you know that that kind of you know I'm I'm glad you're talking about Carolina because this is kind of what we're talking about. We're kind of talking about the draft here in the etc. portion. And if I'm if I'm Carolina, I'm I'm only thinking two things, man. You're either going Rayshon Slater or you're going Panay Sewell. I don't think you're going anything else. I don't think you're thinking about a tight end. You think so? Their line's pretty okay. I don't know. I mean, they could always go for depth and improving the offensive line, especially to get Darnold going. But they also need weapons too, right? Christian McCaffrey, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore. Is that really weapons. enough? Is yeah. that really enough though? Do you they need an O line, really man? They need they yeah, they need they need Sewell. Oh, I, 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 I would say they need to protect their uh they're everything. Their running back, who's coming off injury. Their new quarterback, who they just signed for two years. Yeah. No, it makes, like, look, it makes sense. It's not so far out of the question, like, you, we can't see one or the other. I'm just saying don't be shocked if they want to go tight end and add some more weapons for their, their new young guy, all right, if they got to make an evaluation. Interesting. It's interesting. My 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 team is is seven. The Lions. I don't think that Kyle Pitts would get to the Lions. I feel like they would select the tight end at number seven. That's the most Lions move oh, and have and have Pitts just die in Detroit. He may add, he may be the first tight because end to Goff. pull Eli Manning because they got Goff, man. They got Goff. So like Goff needs his weapons. You know what I mean? And if they're not if they're not gonna go O line, I could see Kyle Pitts going there. To be honest with you, but they have Hawk. Already, so maybe they're yes, not going to do that. Yeah, I don't think they would. I don't that, and that's what I was going to say. They got they got Hawk out there, so yeah, I don't know why they would go in that direction. Then sure, that's I, I'm, I I'm the, Panthers, the double tight end thing. I don't know. I don't know. Teams are weird. Think things are happening. This ain't New England though. The Rams had two tight ends too, but they're obviously not that great. Yeah, but yeah. They, they ain't the same. Higby ain't right, the so same. Speak, speaking of New England, okay. Before we get into New England, who do you think is going three? The rumor is it's it's supposed to be Mac Jones. I'm not sure if that's the rumor because people know stuff or that's because they're making assumptions due to the fact that the San Francisco Brass, the day before the trade, went to the Alabama Pro Day instead of the Ohio State Pro Day, which was on the same day. And then they made the trade the day after, so they kind of put one and one together. However, 
Recently, Justin Fields just scheduled a workout with San Francisco. So do you, who, do you, who do you think is going three? And then I want you to talk about the Patriots because the rumor is they're going to trade up for whoever falls between Mac Jones and Justin Fields at number four with Atlanta. Things are happening, man. I think they take Justin Fields, honestly. If you're going to three, you're not going up for Mac Jones. Mac Jones would have dropped a little bit further. He's not getting the, pub- he's not getting the publicity like Justin Fields. Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. So I think they're going, if you go to three because you want a quarterback, just like what the Jets did with Sam Darnold, I feel like that's that's kind of a given. I think they're comfortable with whoever falls. If the Jets are taking Wilson, I think they're taking Fields. That's my take on that. Do you think the Patriots trade up for Jones, for number four, in that scenario? The Patriots go up to four. Where are the Patriots? That's a rumor. Where are the Patriots? The rumor right is now? that the Patriots want to trade up for a quarterback, and if that's the case, they have to trade up all the way over there. They're up. They're on. They're number fifteen right now. Fifteen to four. Yeah, was a well. Bill Belichick's being Bill. Well, I, I mean, I feel like we could be sort of objective sometimes about the Patriots and Bill Belichick. Like he's. Also selling the farm. He does not give a crap about the, the the future of the New England Patriots. He's spending all this money in free agency, trying to win in the offseason. The most non-Bill Bill, Bill Belichickian move ever, but everyone's calling it absolutely genius. He's, he's going for it right now. And so what does he care about future draft picks as well? I think he's almost on the same mentality as Jerry Jones. You know what I mean? And I think he's also jealous of Tom Brady. <laughs> to be honest with you, he's like, what the, what's going on? How come they're signing everyone? Like, I, I'll trade up. I'll, I'll give you my first-round pick in, in two years. We're going to be good anyway. To go up to four? I feel like he doesn't even have to go up that high. It depends on who wants to. So the, the rumor is, tra- I mean, I mean. I mean me the Falcons like, would trade the, back? So the NFL, yeah, the NFL, I mean, rumors right now is San Francisco traded up for three for Mac Jones. Atlanta likes Trey Lance, and so they're willing to trade down. And the Patriots like Mac Jones because they talk, for some reason, Bill Belichick's the only coach that talks to the college coach, and he's best friends with Nick Saban. <laughs> and honestly, I've, I've said it since I was watching this year, Mac Jones and Matt Ryan both look like they're going to be one of the quarterbacks of the New England Patriots. They just both look like that. But okay. um, if... Mac Jones does go three. I could see the pa- the Patriots trading up for Justin Fields, honestly. Okay, so throwing here, him okay. in there behind, and he could even sit behind Cam Newton for a year. Okay, so here, here here here's looking at this board, right? Let's look at let's look at the board. You got Jacksonville, Jets, San Fran, Atlanta, top four, right there, right there, right. Atlanta, we're talking about. They want a quarterback. They're interested in uh, Trey Lance because they're in cap hell. And so they yes. want to trade down. Yeah, and it makes it by trading down the salary cap drops, right? I forget was after six or ten that it drops like sub- substantially somewhere around there. So for Atlanta to trade down to fifteen, I would expect Trey Lance to be there because if we're looking at the board, this is where it doesn't make sense for for New England, right? Atlanta, who wants a quarterback who doesn't want to pay that much, should want to move back. But you got Cincinnati, who's next, who, who next. Who doesn't want a quarterback? Miami probably doesn't want a quarterback. Maybe Detroit. You're you're you have Jared Goff. I don't know why you'd want a quarterback and just have a guy sitting on your bench. Are we sure the Dolphins don't want a quarterback? 
I think they're going to stick it out with Tua before they for another year before they make that type of decision because, and the reason is Mac Jones, Trey Lance, are not in that echelon of Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trevor Warren. So in this position for them, they could wait another year and see what happens or even go even further back down the draft and not create a quarterback controversy either. I think they want to give their guy a chance to succeed and not be in that type of environment. So that's why I, I don't think the Dolphins would make that type of move and then keep going down Detroit. I don't think so. Carolina, they got Darnold. I don't, unless they're looking to flip him. I don't know who's doing that because they just gave up draft picks. So I don't think that's happening. Denver, maybe. They definitely that's, need a quarterback. Denver's word starts that once you get to nine, that's where I start thinking. Justin I Fields is definitely not going past nine. I'm not thinking Justin Fields. No, 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 no. I don't even think. I'm thinking if you want, if New England wants Mac, you said New England wants Mac Jones, right? Whoever it is, whoever San Francisco doesn't choose at three. Yeah, whoever. So that's just my point is that I think it all depends. If it's Justin Fields, I think you got to move up to go get him. I think, I think either way. I think either way. I don't think, I think, actually, I think really? in, in circles that Mac Jones is higher for some reason because he played in the pro offense. I see. I've read, I've read otherwise. So that's interesting. We'll see what in happens. In the mock drafts, that. in the mock drafts, at least. No, no, that's just, that's so interesting because I, it's so interesting. I think he just has to get, I think the Pages have to get up to eight. I think they just have to move to where the Panthers are. Okay. Okay. You know what? You know, Alex, all this means, I mean, the draft is in a couple of weeks and all this means is you and I, we're going to have a top 10 in the et cetera coming up and we're going to make our own uh, draft board. We can even do a full, you know, round one if you want, but we're definitely going to do a top 10 at least. That's fine. That's fine. But let's, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that before the, before the draft happens, but let's talk about the last topic and let's get ourselves out of here. As you know, Carolina Panthers traded for our boy, Sam Darnold. Teddy Bridgewater, he ain't being the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers anymore. No way. Where's he going? What do you think? Dude, the craziest thing is Teddy Bridgewater's contract. I don't, I don't even know if they can get rid of him. So uh, the most recent news was that they, quote, unquote, let him uh, find his own trade. We've heard that story before, right? That's what Zach Ertz dealt with too. Every time the NFL team is get, he's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You go find the trade. I think that means like, dude, it's impossible to trade your contract. So if you could find the team to take it, go ahead. I mean, he is a $22.9 million cap hit this year, and he's $20 million in dead cap. What are you going to do with him? If you, if you, if you, Cut him after June first. You have you could split it a little bit, fifteen million dead cap, and then five million the next year. But I don't know. I feel like just keep Teddy Bridgewater on the bench. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like why are you gonna why are you gonna get rid of all that? Just keep him for one more year. What if Sam Donald gets hurt? He hasn't never completed a full season. Just keep Teddy Bridgewater, and then honestly, if somebody gets hurt, if a quarterback gets hurt during the year, just trade him there for like a fifth round pick or something. Because he's $20 million on the books and nobody wants it anyway. Just get the fifth rounder and move on. You're not going to get a comp pick for him anyway if you cut him and someone signs him. So, honestly, I would keep him. And I don't know what you see in Darnold that gives you the confidence that he could last a full year on the field. 
Look, I, I agree with those talking points 100%. You know, you bring up Teddy Bridgewater's contract, which is, I think, the most important aspect of it, right? Just trying to find a trade partner. And all honestly, I look, at, I look at every other team who needs a quarterback. Denver probably is like the top of the list at this point. And then after that, maybe Washington, if you don't want to stick with Fitzpatrick, you know, like for if you want someone better for the future or Chicago. Those are the only three teams that I really see needing a quarterback because Andy Dalton ain't it for Chicago. Fitzpat Fitzpatrick is just a stopgap until they figure out what they're doing. And then Denver, they need somebody. You know, they may not be so uh, high on young Jeezy on the bench. All right. So they got to figure those are the only three teams. I think it's a very small market, which is why it's also difficult. There's not a quarterback needy team, as you pointed out, and waiting. And that might be it waiting for the injury. Right. Who's going to get injured to then open up that spot for Teddy Bridgewater? So all valid points, John. I like what you said. And I think yeah, I don't have anything else to add on top of that. I think I think we could just wrap it up, man, unless you got something else to add. No, I, the the only thing I'll add was there was a rumor that Teddy Bridgewater. Remember, I mentioned a couple of times to you that Denver had this trade for a quarterback, but we don't know who it's from or who it is. Turns out that it was for Teddy Bridgewater, and Elway pulled it out at the last minute. So just an interesting tidbit. I don't know what happened there. No one knows what happened, but everyone keeps reporting it. That's what happened. So wasn't he also? Uh, wasn't De sorry? Wasn't Denver also in on the talks for Sam Darnold too? And Washington. So you got to watch out for all these teams, man. They all want quarterbacks. I don't think anyone's falling. So we'll see how it goes. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be accountable for our uh, for our uh, predictions. We'll we'll put them on paper. We'll put them on uh, into the ether, and we'll uh, we'll talk about it. And um, hopefully the trades are all solidified, at least in the top ten, which I doubt. But we'll see how it goes. We'll see how we'll it goes. see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. But, John, this has been another Jets episode of the Knicks, Jets, one. et cetera podcast. It was a great one. Phenomenal. Once again, thank you to Jake for hopping on with us, talking BYU, talking about Utah sports, but most of all, giving us the laydown or the lowdown, I should say, on Zach Wilson. The Mormon Mahomes. I can't believe, I, I can't believe he got us on the bandwagon a little bit. I re he, man, man, man. Shout out to Jake. Shout out to Jake. Did a great job, my guy. Great job. But another Jets episode in the books. For everyone out there who's listening to this podcast, please make sure to give us a five-star review and leave a comment if you would listen to us on Apple Podcasts. We are available on all other streaming platforms. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Amazon Alexa, you name it. We are there. On top of that, please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And please make sure to check out this upcoming next episode because it's supposed to be a good one. Special guest. Let's Special go Jets, guest. baby. Let's go Jets. And let's go Yankees.